Thailand 2017 was a mission and prayer consultation sponsored by ICOM in partnership with MB Mission. The plenary talk you are about to hear was one of nine provided from four different continents. Our hope is that we continue to learn with one another in the global Mennonite Brethren family. I do have a PowerPoint, but I hope it will be a no PowerPoint that we actually are able to work together and hear God together and not be carried away by something that is preconceived. Yeah, I don't know who had the idea of giving me this topic. Um, but you will figure that it's close to my heart and close to my life. And even yesterday night when I was reflecting on this coming up, I remembered that the key scripture for me is, even before I open the Bible, always with me in my wedding ring. In my wedding ring, I have the scripture of Hebrews 13, verse 14. And it says that we don't have an enduring city here, but we live in the search of the one to come. And if you read this, the verse before that in Hebrews 13, and we will come back to that yet, there's another scripture about Jesus not being part of the camp, not being in the city, in the place where I'd love to matter. I'd love to be recognized. I'd love to have authority and influence. But the writer says, let us then go to him, and that's outside the camp, outside the walls, bearing the disgrace that he bore. So that resonates with some topics we have already heard here, that we don't bank on becoming the majority and the big force reckoned with by everyone. These two verses, the one I carry with me, and the one just before, I would also say are so Mennonite as anything we find in Scripture. Actually, the author of Hebrews is not known, and some commentators believe it, it could be a Mennonite. <laughs> I was born in the Soviet Union, as Edda said, in an, a, in an area not fit for human life, never, inha never intended by God to be inhabited by people. A friend of mine who recently visited with me the area has written an article about the experience, and he says, God has created central Kazakhstan to illustrate how everything was before everything was. And where, when I looked at my neighbors, there was no one indigenous and no one there by choice. Only deportees lived in the city of Karaganda. We shared with them the status, the official status of the enemy of the people. Who were the enemies of the people? Well, all Germans, and there were some Jews, 
Then there were some Tatars, some Crimea Tatars, Chechens, Ingush, Karachai, Balkar, people from the Northern Caucasus. Then some people from Western Ukraine, because after the Second World War, the borders were moved around in Europe, and all of a sudden a piece of Poland was a part of the Soviet Union, and it turned out the people were not loyal to the Soviet Union, and so then a bunch of those were also deported to Central Asia. Who were my neighbors? Well, some are Matis. The first girl that I met that was not related to me, I later married. So we go back 52 years. And yeah, some then of the other minorities. Does God have something to do with that? Where we all ended up? Well, my mom ended up there. She was taken there by a train. She already had lost her father. She had lost her sister. She has lost one sister as they were processing by train. That sister was never buried because people dying during the deportation were just taken off the trains, offloaded between, between cities and villages so that there would be no mix with people who are not the enemy of the people. And then they ended up in nowhere. It is so much nowhere that this is where the space agency was then put later. When the youngest child in, a, in, the family, in such a family turned seven, mother was also taken into a forced labor camp. And so at age seven, my mom was an orphan. No relative could take her in because their own kids were dying. So then a, a local Kazakh judge in that village accepted my mom into his house. It provided shelter and a way to survive, but it was no sweet childhood. This was more like child labor. She, go, she, had, she didn't go to school for quite a while. She had one sister left, but then there was such a blizzard that girls working on a farm, 24 of them died, frozen. So that was the childhood of my mom and uh, my father, at that time, was living somewhere in Tatarstan, in hiding, and other Turkic people. When Stalin died and there was a sense of freedom, we were still not able to move to a place of our choice. Big cities were still off-limit. The Crimea Tatars could not go back to the Crimea, and the Germans could not live in their previous colonies. They could not live in Moscow or St. Petersburg or in Kiev. My father made an attempt to, live, to move to Latvia, that failed. So when I was nine, we moved to the Northern Caucasus and ended up in a Kabardian village. Patriarchal, tribal, Sunni Muslim, Kabardian people. One of the most complicated languages on earth. Dozens of consonants. And um, there I lived until I was 13. And then it, the doors opened and we were able to move on. 
One more word to our original place. For decades, there was no church. Nowhere. All the ch churches were shut down. But then a revival came to our people. Some of the people arrested first. Everyone thought they are the biggest victims of all of this. But they were arrested and kept in jail because people who were arrested later were no longer receiving prison sentences. They were receiving death sentences. So some of the preachers survived in jails. And when there was a thaw, a spring, they came back with the gospel. And my mom was touched by it. And my father found Jesus. And by the time in the 70s, when we left the city of Karaganda in Kazakhstan, there was a Mennonite Brethren Church of German language with 1,100 members. I'm talking about God's hand in all of this. Actually, we have to contend for God's heart in all of this. What a precious gift it is when we notice God's personal attention, when we feel intimate with our Father. But how do we know when He's doing something for us? Well, I know it when something happens and it is an answer to prayer, to a thought, to a longing, to an outcome that I didn't share with anyone else about. Or when I see that an event is orchestrated that only he could have put together. Or when things are beyond control. I've heard this story of a, of a man who urgently needed a parking lot. And he said, Father, help. I'm running out of time. And then he said, oh, never mind, I, find one, I found one, one myself. And that is even dumber if we look at the things happening on the scale of people movements when we don't pick up that God is behind it. But people don't pick up on it easily. Some are believing this is uh, the run of history, the tendencies, the signs of the times, maybe. Some are seeing evil forces behind it, some dark conspiracies. We have more and more of that around us. But it, I read in the Bible that in the Lord's hands is the king's heart. It is like a stream of water that he can channel. I read in Psalm 145, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living being. God is close, God is involved, and God is in control. We, I have lined up a few scriptures in a prayer that I would like to pray with all of you. Maybe we can get up for that and just read and see where God's hand, where God's heart is as it concerns 
our world. And then we will turn to some statistics and we'll look at what is happening around us. So I read with you together and pray, Lord God, your eyes saw my body even before it was formed. You planned how many days I would live. You wrote down the number of them in your book before I had lived through even one of them. You even count every hair on my head so I would not be afraid. From one man, you made all the people of the world. Now we over the earth. You decided exactly when we should live, and you decided exactly where we should live. You use your powerful word to hold all things together. You heal those who have broken hearts. You take care of our wounds. You decide how many stars there should be. You give each one of them a name. Great are you, our Lord. Your power is almighty. Amen. Please be seated. Do you see God's hand in your own life? Do you see God's hand in history? Do you see him in the people movements that are in the news now? Yes. I picked up this little flyer from my friend Rob Penner about his project. And the first sentence says, next. Migrants Hope, his organization, exists to serve the migrants of China now numbering over 300 million people. Having left, the village, having left the village life to seek employment in the cities, the migrant phenomena has resulted in the loss of traditional community and significant pressures on the family. 300 million people have relocated within China. And on this Yeah, graph, it, we, have, we are laying out where are the migrants, 244 million of them, where have they come from, where are they going to, and the number of migrants is growing every year. This is not a phenomenon that will end soon, people uprooted. Who of you lives today? in the place where your grandparents have been born. I see two hands in all of our group. My father once attended a little meeting in Nebraska, some relatives, and they gave him five minutes to speak about our part of the family. And my grandfather, Willy Matisse, was one of 13 siblings, and that is the other family his cousins. And my father went into the cemetery and found that they had 16 children and they, he found 16 graveyards. And my father said, on our part of the family that stayed behind in the Soviet Union, most people have no grave and no too hard together. So 
we look at the next picture, that, that which concerns us even more today. Not people who migrate voluntarily for some pressures, but people who are refugees. And the first number are forcibly displaced people, people who are internally displaced, you know, Kurds who no longer can live in the Kurdish areas of Syria, for example, or displaced in Sudan. And um, then we have the refugees, people who could not even stay in their own country. These are all numbers by UNHCR in 2015. And I think the numbers in 2016 are saying, talking about 70 million people. 10 million people live without having citizenship, are not accepted by any country and have no legal paperwork at all. And I see the tie here knowing this because there are people from Myanmar here, yeah, who are stateless, right? Many pushes and pulls create people movements. On the side of push, what pushes people out of their livelihoods? Well, the obvious things. Poverty, economic pressure, famine, racism, violence, discrimination, ecological disasters. Then there has to be a better situation somewhere else, a pull factor. What do people long for? Well, I've recently talked to an Afghani refugee and her family has a store in Afghanistan, but as a woman, she will have no life in, Af in Afghanistan. She says, we, I don't need any support from you, no finances. I will take care of myself. If you just allow me to express myself and live my life here. So safety is, of course, an issue. Prosperity, freedom, opportunity. Next. Yeah, Malawi, where is brother Safari? Yeah, that's your country, your ministry, your people. People fleeing, and um, yeah, the previous graph would have shown where are they from and where are so many of them. We, we will have a little video showing refugees arriving in Germany in, in just a little bit. But whoever we meet, has quite a story. Let's make sure to hear those, validate a life, that it, in our life doesn't become just a statistic that someone is now somewhere else. And the next picture will show us, the next slide, Ukraine. That is the country outside of Western Europe I'm most involved in. And uh, yeah, we were just church planting in some historical areas. But as we each June come together for a leadership camp, it seems God has a new assignment every year for us. So in 2014, we were confronted with a situation in, in Ukraine that our country team leader and missionary John Weens had died of cancer. There was no personnel from our Western agency. And as locals, we got together saying we don't need an inspirational speaker at this time. 
War has begun. We have no leader. Whose vision are we following? We need to learn at this and this season to hear each other, to meet. And so we spend three days in reading together with an open mic the Sermon on the Mount, allowing the, Jesus to preach to us. And he had powerful things to say, even about the enemies. And the enemies were no longer a Bible school category. We actually knew who they are. And we actually knew what is happening. And as you will see in this graph, the Zaporizhia area has, in 2014, received over 100,000 people who lost their homes. And many of our Ukrainian brothers and sisters opened their homes and the church buildings to receive people and shelter them. But then the next time around, a year later, in 2015, during this leadership camp, God said, Let's, we have to go beyond that. We have to be present where the people suffer most. And that led to a whole new relief effort. But a relief effort that finally mounted also led to church planting efforts, saying, wherever we go, we will minister through an existing church. That it would be magnified, the light and the salt and the contribution that the church is making. We will serve any people of any conviction. But over time, God was saying, there are places that there is no church. Maybe he wants us to be the church or start a church. Roman mentioned yesterday three churches were planted. In September, we had a wonderful celebration in Berdyansk on the Azov Sea in the south, where a church was released to be an independent, established church. And we're praying and continuing for two more places. And so, yeah, three and a half weeks ago, um, I was with our brothers and, um, in Avdiivka. That is the hottest, one of the hottest spots on the front today. And that is our next picture. We here, are here in the house of a man who has seen Second World War. And of course assumed that life will carry on and he'll never see violence in his life again. Sometimes when we think Somalia, or when we think Sudan, or when we think Malawi, or Iraq, Syria, we think, oh, they have war? Ah, that's probably what they had expected. This is just how life is there. Haven't they had it before? Our sense of compassion with people is limited by our, by our intrinsic understanding. Well, in our part of the world, that would truly be a catastrophe, but there, it's probably less of a catastrophe there. Have they not been poor before? So we shield ourselves. From the force of it. But nothing in their life was seeing this is coming. This man has a bullet sticking in his door. And then as we speak, he leans down. And then he just picks up out of the snow more stuff that is around his house. 
yeah, his three sons live next nearby. They are all they have all moved on in life. In my next slide, there's a piece of Don Peters. Can you see it? I have maybe two. Don, do you see anything from your organization? So right between these elderly people, there is a can of meat, and it says, in the name of Christ. Can you see it? Even, f let's say, one of the reasons we're here is to unite around the causes of Christ. And we have different calls upon our lives. We represent different organizations. But when we work together like that, people have a chance to pick up we are disciples of a living Lord. And we had, to, we had to contend for that, that we work together, MCC with MB Mission, with the churches, and we invite MIDA and whatever we have to come and bring whatever resources there is into a transformative mi mission, into a transformative ministry that will change society. And so we, we I probably with this couple I spoke most, I have videos of both of them, if you are interested. And the lady asked me in the video, while we were standing at their bullet riddled house from all sides, she, she said, last year we had potatoes like cherries because until the summer we could not plant the potatoes. It was not safe. But nothing has been bad as this. And then she says, do you know when this will be over? And I said, no. You don't. She asked me twice. She says, only th the only thing we want is that this would be over and we would have peace because we have nowhere to get, go and on our pension, we can't start a new life elsewhere. And now you will have to be strong because this was happening on Sunday. On Tuesday, I left the country and then my friends posted the next picture and that is the house of this couple on Wednesday. They were taken, they survived in the basement, taken to church. Next slide. And yeah, what is happening? Two million Ukrainians have left their houses. And we have had baptisms where refugees have been baptized. You see here a bag. that has an inscription from, it's again from Hebrews 13. It says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It has a website of MB Mission Ukraine with more resources, evangelistic materials about prayer, the word of God, the heart of God. And the bags were paid for by the Austrian conference. They went, they came behind this effort. Thank you. And in the bag, there's something from Gleaners. This, in this package, it was from Gleaners in Winnipeg. If you go back to Canada, to those students and those pensioners who are cutting vegetables, yes, they are making it to where people would otherwise be 
more than desperate. Then there are kids in, in the private house sector, but also where there are some taller buildings that dive for the basements. And then the next one, there's a church plant. We have, 30, we have 35 chairs and 45 people showed up. 10 were standing. But right before I left, the Dresden church joined in and said, we will get behind this effort. So I came there with one more church. We we're saying yes to more chairs, more unfolding beds, to a gener generator. Because the reason we do that is not because we can end war or save people from their desperate situations, but we can express our stance, our the relationship to them. We can be the presence of God among them. And we can witness to a living God who uh, is with people no, no matter what the circumstance is. So in this youth group then, we have done camps with them. Willingdon Church helped with that. Others have helped. Can you imagine a situation anywhere else in the world where a school district says, can you do the graduation ceremony for us? And then a mission will rent eight buses and bus 330 people into a, a rented camp in the name of Jesus and then bring them back. There have been teachers who said, today I smiled for the first time in three years. But there's an investment that leads to relationship and relationship leads to commitment and then yeah, this whole week, last week, even coming here, we were under the burden of our locals saying, let's do something for these young people and evacuate them. But then, who do you evacuate? Do they have siblings, parents? Where? For how long? Then it becomes an agency question, not a relationship question. Let's move on to Europe, to Western Europe, to Germany. Yeah, we have seen so many migrants like never before. Maybe a short, why don't you go to the next slide uh, for a moment? You know, it, it, it didn't t take the current crisis to put people on the move. And this picture, this is a statistic from 2011. Sorry, I'm in front of you for some of you. Uh, maybe you can't see it, but this is statistics from 2011. And it says that of the people living in Germany, three, three and a half million basically, have come from other EU countries. From other EU countries, keep this in mind, and then when we talk refugees, you will feel the challenge that is faced by our society and by the church in our society. But what an opportunity to have people without networks uprooted in the search of a different life. Meet them in the name of Jesus and welcome them. Just like Vic said yesterday. Welcome them. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless the foreigner or the poor, do not plot evil against each other. The 
foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself. These are not, this is not new guidance to us. This, these are scriptures from the, the Torah times. This is the heart of God forever. And when we go next, we see different voices that we hear in the current crisis. I don't know whether you can read it. The, our Pope is saying, I don't mean the Mennonite Pope, the other Pope. We cannot allow the Mediterranean to become a vast graveyard. But we have also those voices. We do not support planned search and rescue missions in the Mediterranean. In Germany, the church is desperate. It's on the, the visible expression of the church is on the decline. When I see a boat like that, I also think of a scripture pointed out to me by strangers. This is not our interpretation, not our reading. But in Isaiah 61 verse 5 we read, Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your land and vineyards. Some of these people will transform the religious landscape of Germany, of England of Sweden, of Denmark, the countries that we have little hope for, if not for something new happening, for Lithuania maybe. Let me switch to another uh, topic. I come back to Chechens. Have you ever seen this picture or this man? He is famous, he is infamous, he is the military minister the, actually, they call him the Minister of War of ISIS. His name is Omar. He's Chechen. He grew up in a Chechen valley in the country of Georgia. Was a soldier, fought in wars, got completely disillusioned, joined ISIS, became their top military authority. He was killed by a U.S. Air Force strike and, um, in the, last summer. He would be connected to the most ruthless things. Next one. That's his brother. His name is Timur. He sends you greetings this morning. In the name of Christ. When you see this couple grew up in the same yard, I met Timur last week in Turkey. He said, we grew up so together that our mothers did not distinguish our underwear. In the same underwear, he said, we grew up in the same underwear. But now he is a pastor of a church said house of prayer for all nations. We could say this is an illustration of Jesus not bringing peace but the sword. And in many families it feels that way. Where Jesus enters there might be disunity like here. And the families spit 
at Timur and kicked him. But he said, I, know, I love you because I know you do that out of concern for me, that I would not be lost, would not walk away from the path of Allah. And they said, because you love us, you are still alive. And Timur talked with me about a vision that he has to find 500 people who would be able to say something good about Muslims. His brother, who is now dead, assumed there are no 500 people. He assumed there's no one. That all of us committed Christians will hate committed Muslims. He was sure of that. This is what he operates on and thinks it's mutual. But hate breeds hate and violence multiplies. Are there people who love Muslims, can say good things about them? Timur hopes to have a series on YouTube and hopes that five testimonies will be strong enough to get viral and reach people's hearts, the fundamentalists and the, and the radicals, as he said. Next. And here we are in my house. It's shortly before Christmas. Kurdish family in our house from Syria. Mother is illiterate. Father has been by himself in Germany for two years. Now they, have, they are here. They are in our churches. There's no, probably no church in Germany left that has not seen people like that entering our churches and houses. And we have a short video uh, about the refugee response in Germany and a church in particular, that of Walter Jakobite. You can talk to him afterwards. Please. Germany, we need the, to partner with our Arab ministries 
and Zamir Yusuf and others are coming and helping us reach their country, men and women, with the gospel. I have about five more minutes before we will break out in groups. Um, I would like to show you, lead you to two more places, just to show how God is in all of this. This is Central Asia. I already told you this is where I was born. I was a student in Fresno, California when I started going back there, planting a church. And they invited me now to their 25th anniversary as a church planter. And it didn't happen because in Fresno I found out something about the least reached or the 1040 window or because Hans Kassler was my missions professor. It happened because God redeemed my history. I spoke the language. I cared. I knew the people. My parents were healed. They blessed this. They gave their best to this. And many more did. And so uh, I don't know when, but I can make it, whether I can make it. And then I get another invitation to another church. Okay, just the next picture. This is, this is 1991. And then the next picture, we're dedicating a building in the Caucasus among the Balkar and other Turkic people. And again, just God redeems my migration story. I, I'm sent back by a different agency to this area where I lived in the 70s as a school kid and reach out to people. And this is what God is doing with many of you. My neighbor today in Detmold where I live, um, his name is Edward Gisbrecht. He, was, he, he lost touch with all of his German relatives and whatnot when he, they were deported, grew up as an orphan in a Kyrgyz family. Probably for a long while he thought he is Kyrgyz. But then there was a different time he got reconnected. But Kyrgyz was his mother tongue. His life became German. He had now the, his house in Germany, all the resources of Germany, but he still had a Kyrgyz heart in him and the Kyrgyz language. And he became the Bible translator for the Kyrgyz. There would be more loving things that I'd love to share. I will just end with this next slide to say that we are not left alone in this world. Not, we had, don't have to, to face alienation and helplessness. The world is not spinning out of control. How will this all end? Well, with the return of Christ, with the establishment of his kingdom. And it already is implanted in many places. And we are not bystanders. We are salt and light. And we are not without tools, without approaches to all of this. The Holy Spirit leads us. We have guidance in our international family. And we know the heart of God. Sometimes it's so easy to just dismiss prayer as saying this is probably where this will end by like a pious platitude but it's we are told this is our primary primary our top priority pray for everyone in authority this will transform the world if you pray for people in authority in this world i'm not in political structures but since I'm on the board of the German Evangelical Alliance, we do link into governmental things in Berlin. And I spent recently, in February, three days in Berlin. 
We spoke to politicians who are believers. We spoke to politicians who are not believers. But they were basically saying, for some reason in our time, our reputation is below the, that, the reputation of pimps. And it filled my heart with sorrow because I also think that Christians are part of this. Talking down, not lifting up. Not being light, salt, and a prayer force in our societies. Yeah. We have the power of truth. God's truth has the power to knock everything down. And as we have seen the power of communism fall, we will see other constructions filled of lies fall. And I will dare to say in this environment that we pray for the whole construction of Islam to collapse. It will never be defeated, but it will collapse through the truth of God. The power of God. We have the power of example. We don't have better arguments. If we are carrier of carriers of God, we are examples that people can touch. Transformed realities, transformed communities. Yeah, solidarity. I'd, I'd read a little sentence from a sociologist. Forgive me for this. This is not out of scripture. But an American sociologist said, we should not underestimate the significance of the small group of people who have a vision of a just and gentle world. The quality of a whole culture may be changed when 2% of its people have a new vision. 2% of the people have a new vision, a society can be changed. If you add to the 2%, the power of the living God, then you know that we are not addressing lost causes, that we are onto something, that we are welcome as God's agents in this world. That was one of nine plenary talks presented at Thailand 2017. We hope you will experience the love and blessing of God through ICOM. 